Hey everyone, welcome back to Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today's episode is the last episode, for now, in our series on L. Frank Baum's The Wizard of Oz. This episode is the second half of my discussion with Eli Sanza on the early years of Oz adaptations. Last time we talked about the 1910 version, as well as some of the adaptations leading up to it. And this time we're talking about the very first full-length film adaptation of the original story. Sort of. If you ask me, this is basically an unrelated story given some brief Oz-like story beats and then sold as the real thing, but we'll get to that later. Now, even though this was technically, technically, the first full-length Wizard of Oz film, this wasn't the very first full-length Oz film. There were actually several other unrelated productions telling other stories set in the Land of Oz, but I think we'll save those for a future Oz series. For now, let's get on with our discussion on the very strange 1925 silent adaptation with Eli Sanza. Okay, so let's move on to the 1925 version. Yes. Which, there's a lot of weird stuff in this one too, but I was able to follow it a lot better. Yeah, it was, oh, the 20s were a lot easier to follow than the 1910s. <laughs> this one has some weird stuff at the beginning, and I think it has to do with the person who made this. He seemed to want to insert himself literally and figuratively into a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the reason why this one is so strange. Yeah. So this was made by someone named Larry. I don't know exactly how to pronounce this. It looks like Sermon, except there's no R, so Semen. Larry Semen. Okay. Yeah. So he starts this film with this strange thing that I'm going to read just because, I don't know. It's just a dedication. In the lexicon of life, there is no sweeter word than childhood, its books and its memories, and to bring back those memories and add mayhap a smile or two in purely entertainment is my desire. Larry Semen. Yeah. And then there's like the opening credits, and his name is all over the place. So he, yeah, really. He wants everybody to know that this is his movie, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He, he, he wrote, produced, directed, and he starred in it in multiple roles. Yes. He has a lot of screen time. He has a lot of screen time, too. Yeah. So this movie opens with a toy maker played by this guy. And at first, when it started, I was like, am I watching the wrong movie? Is this Pinocchio? Is this <laughs> Geppetto? Yeah. Because this has no precedent in the books i didn't know what was going on here but it turns out he's going to read the story because he's making yeah. dolls that look like the main characters and then this little girl runs in with a book that is the wizard of oz and he's going to read it to her right so right off the bat you can tell that they are putting their own spin on this because when he starts reading it has this title page that says once upon a time, the townsfolk of Oz awoke to find their baby princess gone, 
and years bring added resentment and suspicion as we find them gathered in the palace. And then you're introduced to all of these, I guess, rulers of Oz. There's the self-appointed ruler, Prime Minister Cruel, K-R-U-E-L. Yeah. And I had to laugh because I was like, well, that's a little on the nose, isn't it? But then, (laughs) then it keeps going. Yeah. And it says, Cruel had an able aide in Lady Vicious. Vicious. Which is spelled V I S H U S S. Okay, they're going the full round here. They're good. <laughs> We're going to go all the way. And then, Cruel also had a willing cat's paw in Ambassador Wicked. Yeah. W I K E D. Yeah, I, I laughed when I found out that there were three villains in this movie named Cruel, Vicious, and Wicked. I laughed. (laughs) And then, (laughs) to keep going, it says, in all of Oz, there was none more loved than Prince Kind. Yeah, exactly. Spelled (laughs) K-Y-N-D. So everything is so on the nose here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Prince Kind. Not, Not subtle. No, not subtle at all. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I don't really know why the, the townspeople think that they can get help from the wizard, but apparently they're asking the wizard to help them get their queen back. I think that's what was going on. They want to use, they want to use magic, I guess. Okay. This version is a little easier to understand, but there were still points where I was kind of confused by some things. Right, yeah. And then it's, the wizard is described as the prime minister's yes man. So yeah. do the people know that all these people are evil? I, I, I don't know what the whole relationship I, was. Well, that, well, that's an interesting point, because when you have a prime minister named Cruel, and he has a, an assistant named Vicious, and an assistant named Wicked, you, you <laughs> would wonder, can <laughs> I trust these people? I don't know. I don't know. There was also a very weird little scene in here where somebody in this court apparently has two little slave children and he and the kids are making faces at each other. The the wizard. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, that's weird. That's random. I remember that, but okay, sure. And, and you never see them again. They're just in that one scene making yeah. faces at each other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be some like like short comedic bit or something just for laughing sake, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then there's another thing that is confusing as to what the purpose of it was. The wizard puts on a show, and this weird peacock man comes out of a basket, and it says he's the Phantom of the Basket, and he starts dancing, yes. and all the people are terrified of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So weird. <laughs> it was very weird. <laughs> and then it cuts back to the real world where the little girl says, Oh, Grampy, I don't like that. Read me about the Dorothy, the Woodsman, and the Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, I'm pretty sure she was speaking for everyone watching that, I think. <laughs> Can we get to Dorothy already? Yeah. Yeah, because this, this lasted quite a while. There's a lot yeah. of this, but it seemed like 
these scenes went on for way too long. Yeah, yeah. So then you get the actual story, which is also way off. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Do tell. <laughs> so you have Dorothy, who is... I, I, I interpret her as an adult, but apparently she's 17 because she has an 18th birthday later on in the movie. Right, she's 17, yeah. She's an older teenager, and she has her Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, and for Aunt Em it says that she is a mother at heart. And for Uncle Henry, it says, he's just a distant relative. And he, like, storms in, and he's, like, snatching flowers from them, ripping them up, stomping them, throwing them around. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what? This is out of left field. <laughs> is Uncle Henry a villain? <laughs> Another unsubtle way of, like, painting a villain in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's this title card that says, with all the Cinderella-tives, there must be a Prince Charming. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> and then you have this one, well, there's multiple farmhands. There's three farmhands. Yeah. And you find right. out later that these three farmhands are actually the Tin Man, Scarecrow, and Lion, which right. I'm wondering if the 1939 version kind of took that from this version. They did. They they made it closer to the book in the 1939 version, but with this one, <laughs> there's not there's yeah. not even really a lion, tin man, and scarecrow. You just have these guys later yeah. on, sort of becoming them. Uh, one of the most interesting things about the movie was the fact that yes, like if you watch the 1939 version, they have the same actors who played the three farmhands play the scarecrow, the tin man, and the lion in Oz. In, and they sort of do the same thing here, only there isn't an actual scarecrow, Tin Man, a lion. They, they, the farmhands follow her into Oz, and, mm-hmm. and we'll get to this. With, we'll get to this part, but they disguise themselves as the scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the lion mm-hmm. in a very in a very creative way. Yeah, it was just a very interesting twist. But you have two farmhands that I don't think were ever given names. I just, in my head, I was calling them the skinny one and the burly one. And they're yes. they're fighting for the affections of Dorothy. And yeah, they both love Dorothy. Yeah, and they're like battling Uncle Henry as well. And yeah. then you have the only farmhand that was given a name who is named Snowball. Snowball, and- yes. He's a a black guy who is introduced eating a watermelon. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. That's unfortunate. At least they gave an actual black guy a job instead of painting somebody because that I, I could see them going in the in a whole other bad direction at that time. Yeah, you know what? Yes, that was one good thing about the like they hired an actual black guy. It wasn't a white guy. Yeah, this guy was a black guy. It was an actual black guy. It was like a, a man named Spencer Bell. He was actually. A star of a lot of comedy shorts from the 1910s to the 1920s, and he was like one of the first African American comedy stars in Hollywood, actually. So he and like supposed to get like a, a contract, I think. So okay. he was like a fabric. So yeah, that was a that's a good. Thing. I should look into him because he seemed familiar to me. I wonder if I've ever seen anything else he was in. 
I don't know what it would be, but there was something about him that just seemed kind of familiar. You, yeah, if, if you've ever watched like comedy short films, you might have seen it. I've seen some. I've seen a whole bunch of like old little rascals from that time. Right. I don't know if he would have been in any of those. It's been so long since I've watched any of those. <laughs> yeah, ditto. Anyway, Uncle Henry comes in and he's trying to kick Snowball, but he falls down. And Snowball runs away. There's a whole bunch of weird stuff with these farmhands, like, fighting Uncle Henry. And this all goes on for so long. It's just, yeah. It's like they had a whole bunch of short comedy skit ideas, and they wanted to use them, and they just incorporated them into The Wizard of Oz for some reason. Yeah, yeah that, was one, that was one of the weaknesses of the film, I thought, because... Larry Simmons, the guy who directed this, he, he is a comedy veteran. He actually wrote, produced, and directed like comedies before he did this. And he also acted in those comedies. He acted with Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, both separately. He worked with mm-hmm. both of them before they worked with each other. So it, this seemed like he, this seemed sort of like he was using this as an excuse to do another one of his comedies in a little bit because it seemed like all the all the comedic moments involving him in this movie seemed very like Max Senate Hal Rose like it was like it, like you said it felt like there were sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got all these things with this one, the one from him who is played by Salmon. He's the one that, in my head, I was referring to as the skinny one. Yeah. He's getting eggs laid on him repeatedly from this one chicken. And the eggs, when they smashed, did not look like eggs. <laughs> they looked like black paint. I was like, what kind of eggs is that chicken laying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at one point, he's like, he fills his back pockets with them. And Uncle Henry runs in and kicks him. And it breaks all the eggs, and chicks start falling out of his pants leg. <laughs> yeah, I have to point out, as you're describing that, I did laugh at that. That was one <laughs> of the few jokes I laughed at. I, did, I liked the chicks falling out of the pant leg joke. <laughs> and then this guy gets kicked by a mule, and he flies over a fence into a cactus. Yeah. <laughs> and then he throws cactus chunks over the fence, and Uncle Henry sits on them. And then you get this title card that says... In the spring, a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of lollipops. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) So this guy has a lollipop that apparently he wants to give it to Dorothy, but he's also licking it himself. And he's like trying to sneak up behind her and sneak it into her dress. But it turns out she's in the middle of being courted by the burly farmhand. And that's trying to get the lollipop back out of her dress. But, oh, too late. She finds it and tastes it, which he's already licked. <laughs> like, I'm, like, super gross yeah. by them sharing this lollipop. And uh, yeah. he thinks it tastes disgusting. So she gives it to the burly farmhand, and he tastes it. And he thinks it tastes <laughs> disgusting. So he tosses it to a duck who starts scarfing it down, but the skinny farmhand still wants it. So then he's chasing the duck, trying to get this lollipop back. And I'm like, what am I watching? What is this movie? But it didn't end there. Because the duck goes through a fence, peeks back through, and projectile vomits all over him. And I was like, what? 
Yeah, that is. What is this movie? <laughs> it, it was. It was very. It was bizarre. It really was. It's so bizarre. Oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, am I am I watching The Wizard of Oz right now? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this whole other scene with bees and chasing Dorothy on a swing and Dorothy gets launched over a fence and then in turn she's launching barrels of paint over the fence and everybody's covered in paint and they're chasing each other and then Dorothy runs away to Aunt M and Aunt M reveals that he's not actually her uncle. But also, she's not actually her aunt either, because she was left on their doorstep in a basket as an infant. So yes. now we're finally getting into some plot stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was left along with a note that it threatened death if anyone opened it before she was 18. So nobody knows what this note says. And now Dorothy really wants to know who she is, but she's not 18 yet, so... They can't do it yet. So we're back in Oz now. And the prince is telling the prime minister, Cruel, that he has until the new moon to produce the rightful heir to the throne, or he'll be thrown into the dungeon. So then everybody is trying to go to Kansas to, I, I guess, find Dorothy, but they're, they want to do away with her. And I, it's like, I don't really know what their exact motivations were here because they're supposed to be producing the rightful heir or be thrown into the dungeon. So why do they want to get rid of her? I don't know what they thought they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. There was some, there was some part of the plot where they thought, I think they thought that they could either uh, find Dorothy or they could find the letter that they sit and him and uncle mm -hmm. Henry. And like one of those things, I think they were saying well, it would be like a, I don't know. I would like proof of something like that would enable them to like be able to rule the kingdom without Dorothy getting involved. Like, although I, although there, I remember there was emphasis on like doing away with her though. Yeah, I don't know what they thought they were gonna do. I was just confused by that. Yeah, me too. But apparently, in Oz, they have airplanes, and they can use these airplanes to fly to the real world. Or maybe Oz yes. is a country. I don't know. But either way, they have an airplane and they fly from Oz to Kansas. Yeah. And I was yeah. thinking, because of the way that they've set all this up, I don't think that Oz is a magical place in this movie. There's weird stuff that happens, for sure. But I don't know that... Does anyone actually ever use any real magic? Because Glenda's not in this. The witches aren't in this. The wizard admits that he has no actual powers. They fly to Kansas in an airplane. Right. And and their scarecrow, tin man, and lion aren't real either. Yeah. So it's like, it, it just feels like this is a very non-magical version of The Wizard of Oz. It did feel that way, yeah. So anyway, all these bad guys get to Kansas on Dorothy's 18th birthday. And she's waiting for Uncle Henry to reveal everything. She wants to know who she is. But these bad guys show up, and they want Dorothy to never be told what these papers say. And they're playing up this whole battle between the two farmhands. And 
Dorothy tells the skinny one that when she finds out who she really is, he's going to be the first one that she'll tell. Yeah. And then they start fighting over her. And then yeah, the bad yeah. guys tell the burly one that if Dorothy reads the papers, she can never marry him. So if he brings the papers to them, then untold wealth and Dorothy will be his. Yeah, yeah. So basically they just turned the burly guy into a bad guy because yes. even though he later yes. becomes quote unquote the tin man, he's pretty much evil for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like the idea with that uh, Larry Simmons character, the skinny farmhand is, is kind of like the protagonist of the movie. That's kind of how it's framed. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Henry hides the letter from the bad guys and I just have to question, like, what were they going for with Uncle Henry's character? Because they have him set up at the first half of the movie as he's like this awful person. But apparently he cares enough about Dorothy to find this letter for her. So I don't know yeah, yeah. I don't know what they were going for with him. I don't know. I, 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 I think maybe they might have not been plot-oriented when they decided to make him a grouch. And it might have just been for comedic possibilities. That's one observation that I guess that's probably a good way to look at it because a lot of the stuff they were doing was so over the top that it's hard to take him seriously anyway yeah yeah that was what I guessed but these bad guys tie Dorothy to this giant tower thing I don't know what that tower was supposed to be like why did they have a giant tower on the farm I don't know. Yeah, they suspended her in the air like a like kind of like a yo-yo, and she mm-hmm. tied her up and hung her. Well, there's these other towers nearby too, but I think those are supposed to be silos because there's like a whole chase scene with the two farmhands chasing each other around the farm, and they go up these other towers. But I think those are supposed to be silos. They don't have the dome top like most silos usually have. But I think that's what they're supposed to be. This other tower that Dorothy is tied to, no idea what it's supposed to be. It just looks like a random collection of boards that they've nailed together. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know because I'm a city guy. <laughs> but the the burly farmhand, he finds the letter and he's almost about to give it to them. And the skinny one snatches it away and that's what starts this whole chase scene up and down the silos. And there's people falling off the silos, and it's like, this, these falls should have killed them. And then Dorothy ends up falling off the other tower, and the three farmhands run up to her, and she's, like, in a hole. And I was like, is that supposed to be, like, a crater? Like, she fell so hard, she, she caused a crater below her? <laughs> if that's the case, she would have died. Yeah. Well, the same thing when the farmhand fell. It was like, yeah. that that was a fatal drop. You would not have survived that if that was real life. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I, what I was saying. Like, a lot of weird stuff happens, but it's not to the point where you can really call it magical. It's just weird. Like, like in this next scene, where everybody starts getting hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, good example. <laughs> I don't know what else is supposed to be happening here, but everybody's getting hit by lightning. And it's turned into this weird slapstick lightning gag fest. I I don't know what... It it was not plot-oriented at all. It was just weird. 
No, it was it, the whole and the whole movie, like it was a very comedy oriented this entire movie, but but it was also very very cartoony. It was like a, it was like a cartoon. It was like a cartoon logic with everything that was happening. Yeah. It was like even yeah, you have even people like floating in air like wily coyotes sometimes it was just yeah. very that was that was sort of like the logic behind all this death-defying stuff that was happening it was just the, the fact that it's a very cartoony logic that that's a good way of looking at it because otherwise nothing makes sense yeah because all this lightning is happening in i guess it's the tornado and they're, they're all in this shed except for aunt m and M gets left behind. <laughs> She's the only person on the farm that is not in this shed. Yeah. And you never see her again for the rest of the movie, which is yeah. <laughs> Even Uncle yeah, really comes along when this shed is ripped out of the ground by the, the, by the tornado. Even Uncle Henry comes to Oz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a real weird choice. Like, oh, let's involve Uncle Henry, the, the hateful grouch, and put him in the story, but like, let's leave and in behind. It was a very odd choice. Uh-huh. So everybody's in this shed except for Snowball who's in this barrel and then it's like he's supposed to be riding lightning. I, d- I don't know what they were going for. Like I guess what, the way you said it like a cartoon is the best way to look at it because he's yeah. riding a bolt of lightning along so that he can join them in this shed. It was yeah, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> what it, was happening. it felt like it was like the lightning was like, like he was so scared of the lightning that he gained the ability to like float in the air just to get to where he was going out of pure mm-hmm. fear of getting struck I said it's, that was the cartoon logic that I came up with in my mind yeah well makes more sense than a lot of stuff in this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so everybody gets to Oz except for Aunt M. And then I'm going to read this paper that is shown. It says, Know ye all that Dorothy is the rightful ruler of the kingdom of Oz, and on her 18th birthday she shall ascend to the throne to rule until the great master calls. Okay. Who's the great master? Is that, like, supposed to be God to rule until she dies? Is that what they're saying? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's a very weird way of putting it. I think that was the paper that everybody was trying to get because I think yeah, yeah. pulls that out at the last second or something. So yeah, that was the thing that he was uh, supposed to read when she turned eighteen. Yeah. So yeah. apparently she is this missing baby from all these years ago, and she's the rightful ruler of Oz. Okay. <laughs> Uh, part of me is wondering if they're making plots from other books because they're in one of the other Oz books there is a princess who was taken as a baby that's Ozma like she's one of the the most famous non-movie characters Ozma of Oz because in the book this this is the one where Mombi was from the witch that I wondered about them taking the name from so Ozma yeah. was taken as a baby, and I don't remember exactly why or how, but I think Mombi turned Ozma into a little boy named Tip, if I'm remembering right. It's been a long time since I've read it. So basically, 
Ozma lived for years as this little boy until she's finally changed back and told that she's actually the rightful heir to the throne of Oz, and she becomes the Queen of Oz. It's a very strange story. Right, right. <laughs> but I'm wondering if they took that and then just made it so that Dorothy is the one that was taken from Oz, and then they just did away with the whole witch turning the baby into a boy and hiding her for years. I I was curious about like if they took inspiration from any of the other books, the, the other books besides the Wonderful Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. that I didn't read, because if the, that might explain some of the stuff in this movie and where they where they got it, because it was com- because it's completely different. It, this movie is completely different from the nineteen thirty nine version. Yeah, it's so very different, but at the same time. Some of these names do feel like something that L. Frank Baum would have come up with, like Cruel. That feels like something he would have written because he wrote a right. lot of weird on-the-nose names like that and with weird spellings yeah. of actual words. So if that wasn't taken from his books, it, they wrote it in a style very close to what he would have done. Yeah, if they, if they did make it up and he didn't create that, then that I would commend them for that because it's... Apparently, they did a good job of his style. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're finally in Oz. And at this point, I looked at the time. It was like, it took them over half the movie to actually get the main characters to Oz. <laughs> the movie <laughs> is over very... halfway through at this point. Yeah, which kind of brings me to a point that I wanted to bring up, which is that it, this movie drags... Yes. A lot. It, 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 a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie is not plot-oriented, and it is so slow. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the biggest problem, I think. Yeah, that is the biggest problem. There's so many scenes that are just dragged out so long. Yeah. Yeah. So, at this point, I guess in a last-ditch effort to stop them from taking the throne. The admiral accuses them of being trespassers and tells the wizard to turn them into something, but of course he can't. But then the farmhands dress up as a scarecrow and tin man, and the wizard pretends that he did that. Yeah. But then Admiral Cruel is like he's shooting a cannon at them, and he I think he blows up a building, and then everybody gets arrested. And I wasn't really clear exactly how this all was supposed to be shaking down, but Dorothy is made queen at this point. Cruel is still there, but now he wants to marry her. And even though everybody was arrested, the Tin Woodsman and Uncle Henry aren't in trouble. I don't know why, but (laughs) the Tin Woodsman is... (laughs) Uh, Let me just read this. It says, And the Tin Woodsman became the Knight of the Garter. So in the future, no metal could touch him. And I'm, what is that even supposed to mean? I don't understand what they're going to I, I didn't follow that. I didn't follow that. It was, that sounded like abstract like dialogue or something. Like, I don't yeah. know what the heck that was. I don't know. But Uncle Henry is made the Prince of Wales, spelled W-H-A-L-E-S. So basically, yeah. it was a fat joke. <laughs> it was a fat joke. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. I just not even a very good. And rolled my eyes. Yeah. So dumb. That was very dumb. Yeah. 
So at this point, even though I, from at the beginning I was calling him the skinny one, I just started calling him the scarecrow because it was easier since he didn't have an actual name. So yes. scarecrow, yeah. snowball, and the wizard are now down in the dungeon, and the wizard dresses snowball up as a lion. And for some reason, there's actual lions down there, like real lions. Yeah. And the guards can't tell the difference, and they run away. They think that Snowball is a real lion, even though yeah. he looks nothing like a real lion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, fine. So they're trying to warn Dorothy that she's being set up. I don't know what they think she's being set up for, because... At this point, the plan is just to marry her. Cruel wants to marry her so that he can be king. So I don't know if they're trying to warn them about that. I don't, I don't think they know what's going on. They're just trying to get to her, and it says that they're trying to warn her from, that she's being set up. And then yeah. there's more slapstick chase scenes because the <laughs> former Tin Man and other bad guys are like chasing scarecrow around i don't know it took forever <laughs> and it at did. some point uncle henry falls into the dungeon too and if i recall i don't think he's ever seen again after that point <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember seeing him after that so yeah me scarecrow ends up back in the dungeon at some point and he and snowball end up in the lion's pen and i don't know what they were going for here well, at first I didn't know what they were going for, but then I realized that the Scarecrow also can't tell the difference between the real lions and Snowball, because at first I thought he was taunting this lion, and I didn't know why. Like, he was saying that he didn't think he'd be eaten or something like that because the lions liked dark meat, like, ha-ha, Snowball's black, he's going to get eaten first. I, I think that was supposed to be the joke. But he was saying this to a real lion. And then I realized he thought it was Snowball. <laughs> he thought that this real-life lion was the man in the costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, apparently he's dumb too. <laughs> and then you've got all this other slapstick, pantomime, chase scenes, gags with these lions running around this dungeon and yeah. it ends up with, I, I guess he fell out a window. I don't know. Like it, I think it shows snowball falling down the side of a tower or a mountain or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Somewhere. I thought, I thought he died. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but I thought he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the, that was the thing they said. They made it clear that he did it. This whole thing is so bizarre. I, I just it's like, okay, they just killed him. <laughs> but <laughs> I know later he's still alive, but I thought he died. <laughs> yeah, I'm, apparently like, that could just happen with any character. I think at this point, the wizard and scarecrow get out, and then you see Cruel trying to seduce Dorothy. And yeah. then there's this sword fight between Cruel and Kind, which made me laugh just because it's Cruel and Kind and they're having a sword fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 
Cruel is about to win, but then the Scarecrow throws a vase on him. <laughs> from He's like up in the right. tower or something, and he throws a vase down on him. And then there's this yeah. other guard, and the Scarecrow jumps on him, and they start fighting, and they run out of the room. And there's a bunch of explosions, which it looks like it's supposed to be simulating gunfire, and then the Scarecrow comes back. <laughs> so the Scarecrow just <laughs> killed this guy. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> and then you have this weird admission from Cruel where he says that he left Dorothy on the doorstep in Kansas in order to save her from a hostile faction. And I was just like, okay, is that supposed to be a lie? Because the only hostile faction that I could see is the one he built. <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to do there. But he gets taken away anyway. Yeah, right. It didn't, it didn't help him at all anyway. And then you have Dorothy kissing the Scarecrow, which makes him think that he's won her hand or whatever. But then she chooses the prince instead. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know yeah. if the <laughs> guy was trying to make himself the tragic hero of the story or what. <laughs> well... It seems like that. They did, they did follow him and show his like heartbreak in the moment, like as soon as it happened, which is another reason why it seemed like they were like making him the protagonist in favor of like Dorothy being the protagonist, which he should have been, but that was his that was his choice. Mm. It was just odd. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then the Tin Man comes back and attacks the scarecrow. And they're chasing him up the tower. And then, I think it's Wicked, tries to shoot him with a cannon. And then you see Snowball and someone else, and I could not tell who the other person was. They get into this plane and fly over the tower, trying to rescue the Scarecrow with this ladder that they've dropped down. And they save him. like He grabs onto the ladder and is taken off the tower just as the tower explodes from the cannon fire. Yeah. But then the ladder breaks and it cuts away to the scarecrow doll in the real world falling over and the little girl yeah. picking it up. And you never go back to Oz to find out what happens. This is basically yeah. the end because she leaves the room and the grandpa picks up the book and reads that Queen Dorothy and her prince lived happily ever after. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, <that> was a... <laughs> so basically, she lost all of her family and friends. Because <laughs> I guess I'm just... I mean, they've, they've fallen from great heights and survived before, so maybe he's okay. But I just assumed that Scarecrow's gonna die from this fall. And I'm assuming that Snowball's gonna want to go back to Kansas. And Aunt Em is still in Kansas. And <laughs> yeah. Uncle Henry and the Tin Man are still there, but they're evil. So basically she's lost everyone in her life. <laughs> Except for this guy she's known for five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, it was a very, it was a lot of loose threads hanging after that story, and it was like very unsatisfying when it ended. Yeah, it was like at the end, and the worst part was that it seemed like they spent so much of the movie's length 
on things that was not even related to the plot. And then when it ended, it was like none of the plots got resolved in a very smooth way. Yeah, it was just absolutely bizarre. Yeah. That's, that's like the only way I can describe this movie. It's just bizarre. Yeah, and that was it. The, the end, like, they didn't even spend that much time with Dorothy, he didn't get that much screen time compared to, the, to compared to the men in the movie, and, and so he it was like, when they say he lived happily ever after, it was like you weren't emotionally invested. You were just like, okay, that's that. Yeah, but then if you think through it, how did she live happily ever after in a strange land with a basic stranger and none of the people that she grew up with as her family and friends? Yeah, that's like we like. You said, like you said, Aunt M was still in Kansas. They didn't go back to her. She, like, was still there. And it was like, apparently, that was just like, there was no goodbye, and that was it. Yeah. Just bizarre. Yeah. This whole movie was so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, the biggest takeaway for me was that it felt like, well, the guy who made it, Larry Seven, he was like, seems like he was trying to. He, I, I know he wanted that movie to be like a hit, like he wanted it to be like a, like a big success. This is my big movie; it's gonna make money. I'm gonna. Like, and then The Wizard of Oz, so it's a beloved property. But it seemed like he was like doing it, and so he was making that movie in such a questionable way. It was like he was using it as a showcase for his own like comedy style it was like mm-hmm. it was just it was like a showcase it was a showcase for comedy stuff so the whole thing with the, the foreign hands attacking each other the slapstick the lions it was like and the wizard of oz this of it all was sort of secondary and i could have i could have forgiven that maybe if the comedy was funnier which because there was a few funny moments in it, but it mostly felt like the comedy sketches were dragging too long, mm-hmm. and I didn't laugh that much at it. So that was the problem, the main problem for me. And I ended up just giving it like an average rating. Yeah, I think I would go below average. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those movies that, I mean, maybe the only thing that would save it from being below average is that it's so bad that it's entertaining. It's because... <laughs> You're just asking yourself over and over again, like, what am I watching? <laughs> this is yeah. so weird. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm so glad that MGM made that 1939 version mm-hmm. because it was like they had to do Wizard of Oz justice because yeah. that that last one, that last one could not be the only theatrical feature film version of that book. Yeah. They had to rescue the soiled name of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, because because like you said, you pointed it out. There wasn't that much fantasy in that movie. It might not have been a fantasy. It was just like it was. It was very down to earth and mundane, and uh-huh. there was, like there was no fantastic elements. Yeah, the only fantastic slash fantasy elements was how sturdy everyone was when all of these things should have been killing them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it was a fantasy in the sense that a Looney Tunes cartoon is a fantasy. Yes. That was, a, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thumbs down for me. Like, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't see this as something that I would want to revisit unless I wanted to show somebody like one of the weirdest movies they'll ever see. And then at this point, I would be watching them to see their reaction <laughs> to like the projectile yeah. <laughs> vomiting duck. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I actually did, I actually did enjoy the movie to an extent because <laughs> I am such a, a fan of The Wizard of Oz, the nineteen thirty nine voice, and I'm sure you like the nineteen thirty nine version too. Yeah. And I was also a huge fan of the nineteen hundred book from Alfred mm -hmm. Baum. Like the, the book and the that nineteen thirty nine movie were great. And seeing other versions of Oz interpreted by other storytellers and filmmakers mm -hmm. is interesting whether they do a good job or not. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point of my podcast now is just seeing all the different ways people interpret these stories. Yeah. And some of them are very interesting. <laughs> like this yeah. one. Yeah. Like this one, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting film. I'll I'll that's my highest compliment I'll give it. It was interesting. Yeah, I guess I will say that even though this was by no means a good movie. I did have a lot more fun watching this than I have had watching some other movies because I've watched some movies that were just straight up bad and they were not entertaining bad. They were just straight up bad. Yeah. Like the last two War of the Worlds Asylum films. The only thing I liked about watching those was recording the podcast later with Nikki because it's just fun to talk to her about bad movies. Yeah. But watching the movie was a chore. Yeah. <laughs> I know how you feel. One other thing I do want to point out about this movie, though, like, uh, I, I, I have to bring this up. Oliver Hardy was the guy who played the Tin Man. I don't think we ever mentioned that. Like, like Laurel and Hardy? Yeah. Like, really? Like from Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, yeah, that's something I wanted to make sure you knew. Oliver Hardy, he was the guy who played the stocky farmhand who became the Thin Man. Okay, uh, I did. Laurel and Hardy. That was like one of the most interesting things for me personally, just as a as a film buff. It was it was interesting to watch. Oh, this is like Oliver Hardy in one of his early roles. And I think this was like before he became famous in the Laurel and Hardy team, if I'm not mistaken. So it was like. It was interesting to see him in one of his early roles. Yeah, I I didn't even catch the name. I I didn't look too closely at the credits. I just kind of skimmed it, and I yeah, yeah. didn't notice that one. Well, yeah, there are very few people in this movie who I even recognize when I look at the cast credits. But that was one that stood out. Mm -hmm. I just thought that would be interesting to point out. Yeah. Well, I guess that will be all for this episode. Very interesting episode. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Yeah. If you want to hear more uh, from me, go to where I'm most active, which is Twitter. That's where I talk about film, shows, pop culture, video games. All That's where I share my letterbox reviews on all kinds of films. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at e 2014 And I, I also have a blog called ejunkieblog.com, which stands for Entertainment Junkie. And that's where I share my in-depth blogs about the history of entertainment, which is my specialty. So 
So check me out there. Okay, and I'll have links to those as well. Well, thanks for joining me for this. It was weirdly fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was more fun than watching it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens with bad movies. I'm finding out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I will probably have you back for another one in the future. We'll just have to find a worthy story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Yep. Thanks to Eli for joining me for this episode of Every Version Ever. If you want more from him, I'll have his links in the description below. Now this episode is the last in our Wizard of Oz series, but like I said previously, I'm planning to do more in the future. I have some other episodes that I did last year, and I really want to talk about those other early silent Oz films as well. So next year we'll have to come back for more, maybe even before Oztober. In the meantime, I have a special little mini-series lined up for you, something a bit different than my usual fare. Instead of looking at another book, over the next two episodes we're going to be looking at two adaptations of a play. Last year on my main podcast, I Heart Movies, my friend Chelsea Robson joined me to talk about the 1954 film adaptation of the play, Sabrina Fair. The film, of course, is called Sabrina, starring Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. And ever since I started this podcast, I've been kicking around the idea of having Chelsea back to talk about the 1995 remake starring Harrison Ford and Julia Ormond. So, that's what I'm doing. Next time, I'll be sharing the episode we did last year, and I'll follow that up with our discussion of the remake. And after that, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled literature discussions, but I figured it'd be fun to switch things up for a bit. I'm really excited for this, so we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever. Thanks for listening. <laughs>